Welcome to the podcast. Attack for 20. We're on episode five and uh, we're dedicating today's episode to Dromai. So I guess the title for our podcast episode is Winning with Dromai. Michael, what did you do last week in Flesh and Blood? Uh, last week in Flesh and Blood, I recorded an episode with you yes. talking about how to draft Icelander. And then we went to our local store to draft Icelander. And we, in fact, I think our episode was so good. There were five Icelanders in our eight-person pod. Yeah, before, we fourth, before the fifth. episode came out, they, they got the inside scoop. <laughs> we did not do well. Oh, five Icelanders. I ended up going 2-1. I don't like, know what happened to me. It was a disaster. I think my Icelander deck, I had seven non-attack action blues and two, only two <laughs> additional blues after that point. <laughs> I think I actually had more. I think I had like 12. I don't remember how I died. But anyways, yeah. well, we, we also over the weekend went to SCG Con Syracuse. Mm -hmm. um, they, on Saturday, there was a road to Nats. It was CC. Uh, I don't, we like, I got ninth. You, we, we were both top like, 32, I think, was the breakdown. We all got top 16. You, oh, top me, 16. Youngji, okay. we, all got top, we all got two spectral shields. Yeah, that's great. Well, I got a spectral shield and a frostbite. Token. Okay. Cold okay. foil. So yeah, that yeah. was nice. Uh, Sunday, it was sealed. Um, we both top eight, eight of that, which was nice. Um, we both lost Isaac. Isaac just beat, uh, like, he beat Yini, he beat you, he beat Youngji. He beat uh, Dan. Yeah. He's just yeah. the he's just the the New Jersey Slayer. Yeah, seriously, I I lost him twice that weekend. I lost him during CC, and then I <laughs> lost to Aaron, who's also Canadian, and they're they're on the same team. I'm just like zero percent into Canadians. I think he's so funny. I was like walking by him in the hall, and I yeah. and he was like, um, it was right after we had registered our pools. Yeah. And we're like and we built our deck, so he he's already finished building his deck. So I walked by him. I was like, hey Isaac. Uh, you get the juice, and then he like looks around, kind of like shifty, and then like pulls, tells me to come over, and then flips over a card like kind of secretively, and it's a crown of providence. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> oh man, Dude, that guy, that guy's so good, and he's yeah. pretty fun. He's fun, funny, and fun to play with. Yeah, Not yeah, pleasant. You had a, a another pack one pick one tweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so I just wanted to mention that that weekend was just a Phi weekend. Like, I played CC. Oh, yeah, we played, yeah. Both of us played CC, Phi and CC, played Phi and Sealed. I drafted Phi in the top eight. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Battle Hardened draft. Yeah. And then we did a team draft at night. It was three on three, and our entire team drafted Fae, and then we also won that. Dude, so I guess. Uh, I think part of the reason why, and this is like maybe something we can talk about in the next episode when we're talking about drafting Fi, is that I think Fi does the best when the overall power level of everyone's decks is kind of lower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he needs the least to have the most. Yeah, yeah. So I think in in our team draft, it's so funny. Uh, so for people who are unfamiliar, team draft is usually like three v three format, and you sit next to the two people yeah. on your opposing team and you're passing to and receiving from someone who's not on your team yeah so, so for people who are kind of like a little bit unfamiliar with like the dynamics of team draft it's like very different from normal draft where in normal draft you're kind of like incentivized to cooperate with your neighbors because yep. then you guys will each have better decks as a result and it's not as likely that you're going to play against each other and team draft like how good your neighbor's deck is like negatively impacts like your overall like success and so uh, the, the common tactic is the pass cut, where you pass your 
your neighbor some really juicy cards, and then you immediately cut them out of that hero. You just need to hook them in long enough so that they've committed and they can't like pivot out, and then you just cut them. You drafted what? How many Icelander cards? Okay, so I I passed the Youngji like some like really juicy cards like blue Aether Hail, blue Aether Ice Vein, I whatever. And then I started drafting Icelander cards like crazy. I ended up picking like 13 or 14 Icelander cards. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up having to play a cracked bobble in my deck. And I play three Your five deck. Yeah, but but I, I knew that this was gonna happen ahead of time. So I first picked a Phoenix form. I was like, I, I was like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be in the Phoenix Flame train, then I'm gonna pick this card. Yeah, just a testament to how fight is good. Um, yeah, we did do a pack one, pick one tweet. Number two, I'm not going to talk about it. I did basically put like a dissertation of like a Twitter thread. I finally learned how to do those on, um, my Twitter. So if you want to go check that out, it's cards of M at cards of M and, uh, Yanji also has a Twitter at Yanji Lee. Uh, yeah, we did a pack one, pick one tweet. We've talked about why we think it's a little bit low effort. And that's why I wrote so much to talk about how it's more than just pack one, pick one, it's back one, pick two. And you know, it's this whole narrative that you start building for the guy you're passing to mm -hmm. and the narrative that you kind of are receiving. So, yeah. Yep. And then the other thing we really wanted to talk about that's not necessarily Dromai related, but will help in our discussion is some new things that we learned about pack breakdowns. So yes. the first thing is that, like, we've opened enough boxes now at this point and we started keeping track. But roughly 16 packs out of every 24, every booster box, yeah. has about um an extra every 16 packs out of 24 has an extra ice center common in the back there's seven commons at the back i think we had previously said in one of our earlier videos that the icelander cards can be like any icelander like playable card but i yeah. believe now that they're intended to be wizard cards so and the, the back seven should be three two two of some sort but it's like all the three two two is going to have the word illusionist ninja or wizard so yeah. no pure ice card, basically. In the yeah, so. and it might happen. Like we've you've gotten some packs that were like kind of weird. Yeah, um, but it's Exceptions very rare. Very it's like rare. one pack in four cases might break the rules in some way. Like uh, we saw a pack that only had one draw my common in the back. It was three one three. It happens, but that's like an anomaly. Like like you shouldn't expect it to happen for purposes of draft. Also, I don't know if we mentioned this. I think we might have in the last episode, but in the first three cards, uh, there's almost always one generic. Yeah, it's uh, that's piece of information is most useful when you try to pass the pack and you see and then there's like a draconic and ice card in the pack and you know for sure that your person's passing picked a generic yeah common yeah yeah cool so that's what we want to talk about pack breakdowns um uh, before we start talking about dromai i wanted to plug that uh, I think our podcast when this one is live is going to finally be on spotify and apple podcasts so I know a lot of people have been asking for that. Uh, and yeah, I guess we'll put the links everywhere and it'll be great. Yes. All right. Drafting Dromai. How do you draft Dromai? Carefully. <laughs> uh, let's, let's first talk about Dromai is the only hero that plays double face cards in Uprising. Some logistics behind how, like the actual process of drafting the double face cards. This is something that... If you don't currently do this at your store, maybe you should encourage people to do it. Uh, just so that at the beginning of every draft, everybody should just like get a, like one of the tokens and put it on top of their pile. 
I actually recommend the double-sided tokens. Like, don't take a Crack Bobble, Phoenix Flame, or Checklist card, because that card, from everyone else's perspective, looks like another card, and that could screw up the count. Yeah. I would take, like, a double-sided token mm -hmm. and just, like, prepare to put all your cards under it. Yeah, and everybody should, like, ideally, best practices just do that. But like, pack like... one, pick one. Even if you know in your heart you're never going to draft Dromai, like, I think it's just good practice. Yeah, that's just, like, a courtesy. LS has published, uh, it's like the end of like a rules reprise, and they're like, how do you draft double face cards? And they said, careful, carefully. Like literally, it's a one line, <laughs> one paragraph, carefully, period. It's not an elegant solution, but it, you know, at least they said something. Uh, so yeah, just get your tokens ready to hide the dragons or hide the not dragons. So it's just good practice. I did, I will mention that for our top eight draft at the Battle Harden yesterday, the judge said that, look, if you accidentally show a double-sided dragon, either that you drafted one or you're passing one, it's not the end of the world. Yep. It's fine. There's no, like, infraction. But don't go out of your way to, like, broadcast to the table that you drafted that, you know, ne Necria or whatever. Yeah. That's not cool. And obviously, he didn't say this, but it's implied. Don't go looking around to see if other people drafted double-sided. That's just, like, doesn't matter if there's double-sided or not. You're not really allowed to do that. Um, yeah, their policy is actually yeah, sorry. Their policy is actually a little bit confusing because they they said that this is like the the just like put the token over the cards uh is the standard practice at casual and competitive level events and at professional level events are the packs are going to be pre-opened yep. and they're and they're going to replace the dragons with the checklist card and then you go to the judge afterwards to get the cards. Yep. But um, I think for calling day one, especially there's going to be two callings that are coming up kind of soon uh, that are mixed format draft and CC. Uh, those drafts on day one of callings are supposed to be held at competitive uh, rules enforcement level. However, drafts at callings are also usually called and called meaning that uh, you have a judge that's kind of keeping the pace uh, for mm -hmm. when you're supposed to pick your cards and you're supposed to like be like lay out all the cards and count but if you if you lay out all the cards a double face card it's like oh yeah that was so funny uh that's another thing that a judge said someone was like are we supposed to lay out the cards and the judge says yes but then he's like what what if there's double sided and then he said if there's a double sided don't lay it out <laughs> wait <Yeah>. so <laughs> <laughs> uh there whatever i think it's like there's some tension there uh it's i i would hate to say that i think it does impact the way you know it does have an influence on like how droma gets drafted yeah in draft um but i think the best thing you can try to do is just try to eliminate as much of that being a factor in your droma draft or not droma draft yeah um, but just just like you know be nonchalant just put, you know have a token put the cards under it don't go out of your way to like, you know, I was doing this at first because I was like, how do you hide it? And like, I like prep the token into the pack. I inject it in and I slowly, I'm like, I, and I was like, this is way too obvious. It's so <laughs> clear that I just drafted a drag. I think you just like nonchalantly put the dragon under your token. And like, you know, don't do anything too special and just like move on. Yeah. yeah. And then now for actual gameplay related <laughs> advice. Yeah. Yeah. Pros and cons about Dromai. Okay. Dromai as a character is the... Draconic Illusionist, kind of similar to Prism, she has permanence. Uh, Prism has auras and Droma has dragon allies. She has uh, one aura that, that majestic. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Droma, similar to Icelander, 
uh, and dissimilar to Phi, has a lot of block threes. All yes. of almost all of the Dromai attacks are block threes, and then all of the dragons are also block threes. Uh, in my opinion, out of all of the arms equipments, the Silken Form is the best one. Yeah, and her Phantasm attacks, so the Senapis, are like way above rate. They're like plus two. The, the reds are like plus two more than. Like an easy comparison, just like Command and Conquer or any of the two for sixes. Like it's literally plus two more. Yeah, like Brothers in Arms, you pay two, you get six damage. Emberwa mm -hmm. Senapai, you pay two, you get eight. Also, it blocks three. Dunebreaker Senapai uh, is maybe like one below, or only one above, like uh, yep. Dust Runner Outlaw, but it also blocks three. It has like two stat points above like the Ninja one for four go again, basically. Yeah. So like in general, it leads to like a more like flexible play style. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when you're playing Fi, you're kind of pigeonholed into not blocking. Uh, and then Dromai, you can like pick your spots a little better. The game, you can like usually extend it out a little bit longer. Yeah, you have a little bit more control. Yeah, and then you you mentioned that they that she has arcane barrier. She can have a lot of arcane barrier or or none, but like she's yeah. the only one that has access to more than one. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, realistically, you only need about three. Uh, to be very effective against Icelander. So yeah. effective that you could like feasibly fatigue her out. Those, so those are the pros. Now, uh, cons. She doesn't have a real weapon. Like her weapon is really just like a paragraph. Uh, what, do, what do you think having a weapon does in terms like for your deck? And like, what does not having a weapon kind of take away? So having a weapon gives you typically inevitability. Mm -hmm. It also makes it so that if you have like just a nothing hand, you can still just pitch something to attack with your weapon. Mm -hmm. Those are like the main two. Yeah, I view weapons kind of as being just like consistency. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Phi has Searing Ember Blade, which is like a really good weapon. So almost all of your hands, you can kind of think that you just have this card that like if you if you have a blue, then it's like attack for three, go again and generate a resource. Having a weapon just makes it so that all of your hands are like a lot more consistent. And kind of as like a result, like Dromai's hands, Dromai's hands in general are a little bit less consistent because they're relying on like the cards that you draw. Like your Dromai hands might not do anything. Yeah. It might do way too many things. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, and having a real weapon is a pretty big con. Right. Kind of in that same line, a lot of her cards are synergy dependent. So I actually ran into this uh, in the draft that we did yesterday. One of the issues that Dromai has is that a lot of her, or no, it's not an issue, but like on her, one of her like requirements is that a lot of her cards require Ash in order to play them. So for example, you can't like play a Skittering Sands if you don't have an Ash. You can't play like an Invoke Dragon if you don't have an Ash. On the flip side, if all your cards just generate Ash, like if all you have are like Sweeping Bows or whatever, you, you're kind of going below rate because the game is valuing the Ash somewhere between one to two points. If you end the game with Ash on the field, you're kind of leaving points on the table. And it's not like, and, and Ash is not free. Like, like no. Sweeping Blow is kind of one of the better ash generators where yep. it's literally like one of the only ash generators yep um besides actually pitching a red but every time you pitch red it's it's that same thing i talk about you go to you know the liquor store you buy a six pack of beer and you just you, you take two beers that. and then they give yeah. you they give you like a pack of gum no you just take the two beers yeah but the ash is like the pack oh of yeah they just give you a pack of guys like here you go <laughs> great and so yeah she has to make ash she's synergy dependent you can have too few. You can have too many. Yep. She's also weak. You like you sometimes. 
in the same way that eye center sometimes just gets randomly like hosed by dromai like a random dragon yeah you can get randomly hosed by a six power attack at an opportune time the most functional corollary is like oasis respite like you talked about it on the last episode like if if you're playing icelander and you're planning on like the like putting your opponent into the danger zone and then they just like oasis respite your like entire turn just got wrecked yeah they're gonna like use the rest of the cards in their hand to, to like attack you and you might just die yep um for dromai it's a little bit different it's in the sense that like you know you're gonna do other things that turn yep. most likely in other words you didn't block those cards and if they just like opportunity um pop your dragon it's like really bad sometimes it's just bad if like that's the only action you were gonna do you attack with like some dragon and then they pop it because mm-hmm. that dragon was a dragon they would have had to attack on their own turn yep and by popping it they also effectively blocked it so they kind of like one tempo in that sense yeah either way um, they're getting like a lot of value out of popping the dragon yeah yeah like super loads of value like like usually like i think like if you get i think you can win through getting popped once on a dragon yeah. but like if it happens twice it's almost like backbreaking like i don't mm-hmm. know if you can win and then icelander can also similarly uh stop your turns like when you're maybe taking a little bit extra damage because you want you had like a lot of things lined up and then you attack with your dragon first yeah and then they just kill it with the arcane damage spell out of the arsenal yeah you have to be careful with icelander especially when you're attacking of ash wings that uh you know your turn just doesn't end on the spot like you have to sequence properly Mm -hmm. that one's not as devastating as the con as the the six power yeah yeah, you can you can play around it a little bit better and then so now we're We've gone through her basically what her character is, like the benefit, the pros and cons. Let's talk about uh, it's written here as tierless, but I think it's maybe just like what the composition of your deck should be. Like, what, what are the more important cards, less important cards? Yeah, and this is important for both like draft and sealed. Yep, it's just cards you want to see if you want to actually play Dromai. You wrote in the S tier, so we have S tier Necria. Uh, the red versions of the red Dunebreaker and Ember Moss Enterprise. Yeah. Red Rake the Embers. Let's talk yeah. about like what S tier means to us. Yeah, I was going to say, so our experience uh, in card games previously is playing uh, Magic the Gathering. And there might be uh, other card games that are similar to, to Magic where uh, when you rank, like the best cards in those games can just like win the game by themselves. Yeah. And in general, in Flesh and Blood, it's really difficult to have a card that you can just like win the game by by itself. Yeah. Most good Flesh and Blood cards are not winning the game by themselves, but they're giving you like a plus one, two, three, maybe even sometimes up to like plus four. Yeah. Like advantage win. Like this card normally should have only blocked three or attacked for four, but it somehow is attacking for five or six. And or is blocking for four or five. And so when we put these cards in the S tier for Dromai, I think the the message is not that like if you just like get these cards, you're gonna win the game. But I think it's more so that if you don't have some of these cards, you just don't have a good deck. Like you're not playing to the advantages of Dromai. So yeah, like like Yandi mentioned, I think the most notable mentions, like the the cards are we're really happy to see to open in a seal pool. Pack two, pack three, open them in our pack when we're already dedicated Dromai. Ne- Invoke Necria is kind of, she's kind of on her own tier. Um, she's as close as it gets to like a single card that could win you the game. Yep. 
um just because she has so much health and she really kind of smooths out the rest of your plays once you play her because she will generate usually at least one extra ash often two mm-hmm. and sometimes three and then the the the, the centipies both Junebreaker and ember maw that's a great question for you yandi which of the two centipies do you think is better in a pack one pick one situation i personally think ember maw centipie is better because of the idea of uh, opportunity costs or uh what is it it's like marginal it's like marginal benefit or, or something it's like 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 whether or not there's um other cards that f- fulfill like a similar kind of role mm-hmm. and so a dunebreaker centipi fulfills the role of being like a hyper efficient starter for your turns but there's also a lot of other cards that can be turn starters yeah, but there's no card that can replace an Ember Maw, just like a two for eight. Like, there's no other cards in the in the entire set that just like two for eights. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because like I feel like we we're gonna talk about this a little bit more, but like red starters are like I literally when I'm when someone shows me they draw my like limited deck, the first thing I do is just whiffle through and look for the red starters. Yeah. Right. Um. But I I I, I agree with you. Although it's going to be really hard for me to, to take a Dunebreaker, or sorry, an Ember Maw over a Dunebreaker in a pack one pick one situation if they're both red. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's worth it that we mentioned that. Um, yeah. Just that there are cards that are very similar to Dunebreaker. They're not maybe less efficient. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to get them with the Ember Maw. That, that, I mean, that card has won me, like, I've only played Draw My, I've played Draw My the least, but that card has, like, literally won me most of my games. Like, I just. You know, I do some other things. I'm like distracting you with like a yellow sweeping blow yep. and you're playing at your turn. And then I just come in with a, a big eight and you're like, oh, no, I blocked my home hand. Yeah. So. Uh, we put red Rick the Embers on this like tier, S tier list. Yeah. Um, realistically, it's just like the first one is S tier. Having one yeah. in your deck is really good. And yeah. then when you have multiples, it's, uh, it's not as good. Uh, mostly just because... One of the requirements for playing that card is that you have to at least have um, one other Ash on the field and you pitch a red to get yeah. like full value out of it. Yeah. Um, but part of the reason I think why we have it listed so highly is because it's also one of the only cards that by itself just like puts multiple permanents on the, onto the board. Which like is it's very hard for your opponent to get rid of all three dragons yeah. on their next turn. So you're more very likely to, to get effectively, like by its base, if all three of them get to attack, it's a one for six if you make three ash wings yeah and they kill but often it's like a one for like seven because at least one of those guys will stick around sometimes two of them yep but it's like it's just like the way the games play out it's 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 not likely there's just tension between that and your invocations like you might only have rakes and that's fine you can have like three rakes maybe but because the invocations also cost an ash um like something's got to give right like you're you're paying either life resources cards to make ash Mm -hmm. and so either you're taking a lot of damage to do these plays or your opponent's not really doing anything or you just like don't have the ash to take full advantage of this card all the time uh then we have one tier below that we have the two red starters, uh, the one for threes, Sweeping Blow, which makes an Ash, and Billowing Mirage, which converts one of your Ash into an Ash Wing. Both of them attack for three in the red. And cost one. Yep, they cost one. Uh, we have Red Skittering Sands, which is a zero cost uh, turn starter. Uh, you need an Ash on the field, but it converts one of your Ash Wings into a four power Ash Wing yep. for the yep. turn. We have red dust up, which is 
not a turn starter, but it's just like a zero for four, blocks three, and has a relevant on hit trigger. Ember Moss and a pie, yellow, honestly, yellow and blue, I would put it in this tier. Uh, and then we have the majority of the invocations also in this tier. Yeah. I think we just think that. So I think like, of all the cards you mentioned, I would take Kyloria over all of them. Sure. Um, but I, you know, like Kyloria, you can, you know, if you guys are listening and you're like, that should be S tier, sure. It's just like really, really solid. Um, we're just saying A tier because we think that Necria, the Red Ember Moss, Senapai, and Dunebreakers, and Red Raker just like kind of on their own like stratosphere compared to these other cards yeah i have uh i actually have kyloria it's obviously really good but i think kyloria does have a weakness against icelander being like much worse than a lot of the other invocations against icelander just because of the two the two health yeah Yeah, Um, it could be a liability yeah so it's not it's it's not a card without weaknesses it's definitely a very strong card yeah, I think like the, the the next three dragons after Necria is KYC. So it's uh, Kyloria, Yendra, and Chromai. So then after that, Asvalai is really good in the mirror. It's just on rate. It's a zero cost three. Yeah, zero cost um, three. They have to do three to kill it. Yeah. Notably, Mirga and Uvia, we have actually put on the B tier. So like we're not, we don't think like if you pass this because, and you're playing Chromai and you took like a red sweeping blow, uh, red skittering, like something else over it, I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Yeah, uh, a lot of these are kind of like niche. Um, they have like niche applications. So Mirgai and Uvia. Mirgai actually has like the most niche applications. If like you know your opponent has like a bunch of poppers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Uvia is actually quite strong against Icelander. Icelander yeah. just doesn't really have a way to kill it unless uh, she has a popper or she like attacks it with a popper. But it could practically do nothing against a Fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's talk about, again, like, what, what do these tiers mean? So I think, for me, these A-tier cards, like, I want these to be kind of, like, the bread and butter of my deck. Like, I need at least, uh, I want to say, like, five or six copies of these, like, A-tier cards so that I see them about, like, one in every hand so that, like, that this is, like, what I want to be, like, doing with my turn, like, yeah. every turn, in addition to the S-tier cards. There's no, like, uh, I don't think that there's, like, a, a secret, like, formula. Like, I want two of these, one of these, like... I think the honorary mention that I can talk about is, like, another A-tier card is Flame Call Awakening. Um, mm. But besides that, like, it's, like, if you need about a third of your deck to be S and A-tier to, like, I think, be successful. Yeah, uh, that's actually uh, a good transition. We can talk about... I put I call this the Phoenix Flame tier. <laughs> so yeah. actually when the when the format first came out i was of the opinion i was like oh Shomai just like doesn't want to play any phoenix flames yeah and now that we've played the format a bit i kind of like changed my opinion on it somewhat i think that it's actually decent uh to to have phoenix flames in your Dromai deck but you need to be like deliberate about it. it's not like uh it's not like a fi thing where it's like oh i'm just gonna put these phoenix flames in my deck yeah it's, it's like uh i am picking cards that have synergy with phoenix flame and because of that i can put like one or two phoenix flames into my deck and, and these are kind of like obvious i think if you look at if you read the draconic cards but yeah. flame call awakening of course like we mentioned yep. flameborn retribution which is literally just like flame call awakening junior yeah that one's actually uh, originally i didn't think that card was very good but being able to just like block with it for two and then pick up like a thing that you can like start your all your like dragons with uh, yep. is not bad 
Uh, yeah. If you just if if your Phoenix Flame that you pick up attacks for one, then it's it essentially like three points of value through yep. a block. Yep. And sometimes you pay a resource to just attack for three and do other things. Yeah, it's it's not. It's just like uh, you can make it worth a good card, uh, and you're not completely dissatisfied if it ends up being the power level for yellow. Yeah. When you attack with it. Yeah. Stoke the flames, burn away. I think these types of cards you need like. A critical mass like i would say at least like three or four of them to justify playing like one or two phoenix flames yeah. like if i have like if i have like two flame call awakenings and a flame board retribution i feel pretty good about playing like one or two phoenix flames yeah yeah i i think like like if i just had one i'd still be okay playing a phoenix flame oh a red trans all the transmogrifies honestly yeah yeah i kind yeah. of missed here as well yeah transmogrify is great with phoenix flame and kind of awkward without phoenix flame yeah yeah and I think for the purposes of draft, I want to mention this, that even though these are not as good in Dromai as like the S or A tier cards, actually for the purposes of like the actual like process of drafting, I might pick these cards higher than like yeah. the S or A tier cards, just because you don't know that you're drafting Dromai at the beginning of the draft. That's something that definitely has happened with me too. I thought Flameborn Retribution was just like unplayable, mm -hmm. but I've been drafting a little bit earlier than I thought. Like I, I've taken it pick, pick one, pick four. Yep. Or pack one, pick four, and I didn't feel bad. Generics that are not so secretly draw my cards. So there's Red Scar, which we don't. I don't expect you to see later than like pick three. Yeah, I think I Tyler Horseful famously said that there's the best only, there's only one card now, one common that he would pick above it. But Brothers in Arms common is the one he was referring uh, to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's it's a really good card for Dromai, especially like if you're blocking more. Sometimes you'll be like one or two points lower in life total. You can yeah. start your turn with it. It's four power. It's really strong. Uh, red sift, yes. red strategic planning. Yep. Red trade in, yep. and to an extent, red oasis respite. Yeah, you can uh, you can actually start start your turn playing red oasis respite. Not ideal, but it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these these are all just generics that are like, hey, like you know, it's not embarrassing to play in Dromai does the job usually you're only gonna get two draw my common so if one of them isn't that good or there's another draw my drafter like these are the cards you're gonna have to lean on on the wheel yep or you know just take them early it's they're just not embarrassing to play basically yeah on the uh on the ride back from our draft yesterday one of our friends was asking like what the good majestics were in draft and actually like most of the majestics in this draft format are not that good some of them are actually just bad. Like liquefy is <laughs> yeah, is actually bad. Yeah. Um, but there are some some M's that are pretty decent in Dromai. There's the six power ones. Yeah, Thaw Erase Face, those are just good overall. Yeah. Uprising and Burn em All. These, I think. I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of experience playing these cards. I can see situations where they're very powerful on offense, but most of the time, to me, they're just like a red that blocks three. Yep. They're a red star that blocks three. I think Burn Them All is really nice. Like Sometimes just like costing zero can really smooth out your turn. Like You might not pitch anything that turn. Like You you play Burn Them All, you play the Chromai, attack the Chromai, attack with like a couple Ash Wings. Like, that's a solid turn. Sure. I am not entirely sure where I stand on these uh, legendary dragons, but you said that you thought that they were pretty good. Okay, so the reason why I think they're solid is because I think that in the same way you get like auto losses against these like six attacks, yeah. like you can just like auto win against like an Icelander or one of these legendary dragons. 
Okay. Like sometimes I just can't deal four, five, or six. Uh, you play can't. a Dracona off the mic, and so I send a bitch can't like. Can't yeah, they, they can't kill it immediately on their next turn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's and fair. you get another turn with it. That's fair. That's fair. Because uh, like the most you can do at instant speed is three. It's just because of the auto win potential against potentially like two to three players on your draft table. That's okay. why I think they're really good, and they also block three. All right, so I think we've talked about most of the cards. Um, in general, you just want to see cards that are in the S and A tier that we mentioned. It, like, you need about, like, I think it's 10 if you add those two numbers. I think if you have 5 or 7, you can still win. If you have 12, 13, 14, like, you're in a really, really, really good spot. You're likely the only draw my drafter. Like, I think we've opened a box, a couple boxes, and I just set all the draw my cards to the side. And I don't even know if, like, you can get, like, 10, 12 of these in red. Um, if you're counting the yellow and blue Ember Moss Enterprise, then mm -hmm. you, you can get a little bit more, but it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, don't be too disappointed if you get like five, seven. Yeah. I think where ideally you want to be as Dromai, because she's a little bit more like synergy dependent, um, your deck kind of has to come together a lot more. This is kind of why we said you really want to be like one of two Dromai drafters. And I think if you're one of two, then you can get like pretty high number of the cards if you, yeah. if you pick them early enough. All right. Gameplay. Can oh. we move on to gameplay? Any other thoughts? Uh, no, let's go to gameplay. So turn zero, this is actually quite an important topic. I think during Las Vegas Uprising pre-release, I was very excited about pitching my whole hand to Helios Miner. But as people have gotten better at playing the cards, I think that that is actually quite a risky play to make. Uh, so turn zero is all about Helios Miner. Um, uh, the obvious interaction is trying to make smash with yes. Helios Miner. If you're going first... You know, you're not going to take any damage for doing so. Right. Um, so the goal is like, you know, make, I think if you can make like two Ash Arsenal card, honestly, like a pretty solid first turn. Yeah, that I would feel pretty good against, uh, against most people. If you can make, if you can make an Ash and Arsenal card, if you can make an Ash and then summon an invocation, it's honestly like, sometimes you just like run away. Would you attack with that invocation? No. What? <laughs> No, uh, maybe it was Asvali. It was Asvali, and they don't have Arcane Barrier. No, they just Helios Miter. I would never attack with it. Wait, what if it's, what if it's Tumultai? How does that even work? So I guess you, that's you not pitch, you, No, no, it's possible. You pitch a, a red and a blue to Helios Miter. Oh, and then, and then you, you pitch, pitch another blue. blue. Okay, okay. I would attack with Tumultai. I'd attack with Tumultai. Only if they have actual equipment. Yeah, I'd blow up your Heat Wave or your Sasha Sandikai. That would feel great. Start the okay. game. Okay, that's the only one. <laughs> that's like quite a contrived situation. Um, but yeah, uh, so if you go first, use the Helios Miner to make some match. You're home free. Like there's not much decision making. Try to Arsenal card, yeah. obviously. Um, if you go second, you got this like a risky game, you know? Yes. If your opponent just says, I'm just going to pass priority, you got to kind of make a judgment call. I would highly recommend just just okay yeah go back to your turn now great you didn't take any damage on your first turn you still have your Helios miter you didn't make any ash but it's fine mm -hmm. um but i could see some situations where you look at your hand and your hand is just awful like you cannot do anything with this hand anyway then i potentially would risk it for the biscuit especially if you're against a fi and uh -huh. you're just like hey i'll activate Helios miter target your weapon ideally it's like a like a red and like a blue pitch yeah, I won. Like yeah, I wonder because like one of the situations came up um yesterday when I was playing against you. I had like all red hand that was like not super functional. Yeah. And you just like passed turn against me. I wonder maybe would it have been better to just make two ash and then just 
take some damage. Yeah, that's like a, well, my hand was nuts. Yeah. My, I had like the quintessential 17 damage, like red, red, red head jab, red head jab, red uh, soaring strike, blue. Yeah. So like I was trying to bait you into it. So I think it would have been worse yeah. for you to did, be honest. Did not get baited. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, before we go, oh too yeah, far, I, I feel like we made some assumptions about uh the turn zero play, and I kind of just want to like dumb it down a little for those who are a little confused about what we're talking about. Some of you guys know exactly what we're talking about, but Helios Miter is the token headpiece that you just get oh, to yes. start with. Yes. Um, it has one ability, and it costs two resources. It's instant, so notably not once per instant. You can activate it multiple times. Um, prevent one damage from target, like, source of your choosing, basically. Yeah, to target hero. Yeah, yeah, to target hero, which is you. Um, and so what we're saying is, like, a, a very classic play for Dromite going first is you just activate Helios Miner. You target, you can target anything. Uh, a good practice is just, like, target your opponent's weapon, even if it's a Storm of Sandikai, even if it's a Waning Moon, and you make two Ash and your Arsenal card, and then you destroy your Helios Miner. The reason why we do this is because it's very, very rare that you're going to get value from Helios Miner otherwise. So that's like a fine play. Um, and because like being able to sort of hash just means you don't have to do the old buy a six pack and leave the four beers at the shop later. Like you're doing it now, getting out of the way. You're just getting two free beers to go. <laughs> yeah, this time you're just going to the shop. You just take two beers and you leave. <laughs> um, but but the reason why we say going second when you're when you're going second, it's a little scary to do that in your opponent's turn is if they have four cards that just deal a lot of damage, it can really punish you like you actually are taking damage. This is like you go to the beer shop, you grab two beers, and he like slaps you in the face and gives you a punch in the stomach. You know, like <laughs> you're paying, like you're a risky pay, you're paying for those beers one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Please let us know if that didn't make sense in like comments or feedback. Yeah, yeah. And then so Dromai uh, has is a little bit different from the other heroes in that Fi and Icelander. I think once you kind of figure out like the flow of their gameplay. You're kind of trying to like like turn the engine. You're like, I don't think that's a real saying. You're just trying to like, uh, you're trying to just like keep 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 going, like doing the same kind of like flow every turn. But Droma, I think, actually has like two distinct phases of the game. Where the first phase of the game, you're trying to like build up a board, and then after that, you're trying to just like utilize that board, the the advantage that that board has given you to kind of close the game out. And so I think at the very beginning of the game, and this is kind of what we touched upon when you're going first, uh, where Michael said you just want to make two Ash and maybe set a card. Like, you're making those Ash so that you can set up a turn where you either play, like, a Red Rake and some other stuff, or you play, like, two Invocations if you have them, or you play an Invocation plus a Billowing Mirage just to, as a way that you can put multiple permanents onto the board. After you have the reason why it's important to put multiple permanents on the board, as opposed to just like making like one Ashwing and then just like attacking as normal, is that your a bulk of like the extra value that you get on your hero really comes from being able to attack with your permanent, with your ally a second time and your opponent is intending to kill it. So, for example, if you are attacking with a Themai, it's it has three power, four health, and you attack with it, and then they kill it, and you let's say spent like uh, two resources and an ash, 
you're getting about like seven points of value from it, which is like similar to a I don't know, like a Findle's Fighting Spirit or like a or, or like a Raging Onslaught from WTR. If that makes more sense, it's just like you pay three. You get seven points out of it. Um, it's like about on par. But the moment that you attack with it a second time and it's attacked for six, and then your opponent wants to wants to attack it, then you're kind of just like you're you're way in the money, so to speak. Yeah, we call that value town. Yeah, yeah, value town. Yeah, and I think like to to make it really simple, like the simplistic math, uh, we think that the game values like Ash honestly just feels like it values at like like at least a one. Yep. Like one point of damage. Um, like Dunebreaker Centipi is a one for five, but if they pop it, you can make a Nash. So in my head, it's like I think the game thinks like sometimes you get a Nash from it. So it's like really a one for four of go again that makes a Nash. Yeah. Um, and then compared to Sweeping Blow, which is a one for three, that just straight up makes a Nash. Like I look at that and I look at Dunebreaker, and it, to me, like an Ash almost is worth more than one. Uh, at least the game has made it that way. It, co- and then it costs act- more than one, but like yeah, sorry, it costs more than one health. Yeah, and then well, okay. the The other compare the other card that I look at is Billowing Mirage, which is the same. Yep. So I think like to make an Ash, to make an Ashwing, both cost more than one. So to make an Ashwing from nothing costs like almost three, like over two, like two point five ish. And I'm just saying like numbers, like this could be resources, this could be life. Uh, just like we're just trying to arbitrarily value how much an Ashwing is. Yeah. An Ashwing by itself, if it attacks for one and then absorbs one damage is only two yep. you need to get that second attack in but what what yanji is basically saying is the moment you get that second attack in assuming you value that ash at like 2.5 mm-hmm. you're in the money because yeah. now you got two points of damage and you still have one point of extra health on it and there's multiple ways for you to like get value out of it so for example uh and this is part of the reason why i like red rake the embers so much is when you make three ash wings let's say you're playing against Phi. They might yeah. only have access to like one Phoenix Flame on the, on their turn, so in yeah. order for them to like attack your second Ashwing, maybe they attack with it with like a yellow like head jab. So they they, they gave up two points to yep. attack it. Yep. If they don't give up two points to attack with it, and then you can attack with it twice. You know what I mean? Like either way, like that that second Ashwing is doing three. So the first Ashwing is two, and then the second Ashwing is three. Yeah. And maybe the yeah. third one is four. Like it it just like uh, they compound the more permanence that you can put on the board in one turn the yep. more value they kind of compound yeah yeah it's just higher likely you're just like throwing you know shit on the wall and see how much it sticks but if it does stick you're in the money yeah and then after there after the the first part of the game where you're trying to like scrounge together a a board one of the one of the reasons why dromai I think usually has a kind of healthier life buffer is because of these permanents. So when mm-hmm. your opponent is trying to um, deal with the permanents, they're not attacking you. So you have the ability to later on in the game take like a bigger hit. And I frequently find myself in the position where it's like, okay, sure, like I, I put out some stuff at the beginning of the game, then they spend some of their cards trying to attack it. I maybe, if I was like a five mirror, I'd be at like, I don't know, eight. But because I'm playing Dromai now, I'm at like 11 or 12. Uh, and since I can now take like a full hit from you, I can now come back at you with this like crazy turn where I go like, uh, I play like a, a one for three start and then I play a blaze headlong and then I end with like a, a two for eight. It's just like I can craft this like better hand utilizing the arsenal uh, a little bit better than some of the other classes can. 
Yeah, I won't forget this. Uh, that first time that we that did that draft at Vegas. Yeah, he like went skittering sands red into a one for five dune breaker center pie. Yeah. And then you came into a flex and you paid the extra resources because you started for blue. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you just 15 me. Uh, yeah. That's uh, quite a strong turn. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like exactly what Yandu's saying. Um, the second half of the game, you're coming in with those Ember Moth center pies, which is why I think he also prefers like the blue and the yellow because those are cards you pitched on the first rotation. Yep. Um, and I think Droma is actually kind of interesting in that sense. Like, if you're a Guardian player, Droma actually might be something that you enjoy playing because you often will get to the second cycle um against like anyone actually especially in the drone my mirror the drone my mirror is like actually one of the most grindiest like grind fests ever yeah that one uh, is it's like a game of chicken you're like trying not to play like you're not trying not to be the first person to put some ash wings on the board because yeah. then like they put their ash wings on the board and they kill all your ash wings and now you're like oh how am i gonna deal with their ash wings I don't know if it's like correct because I and this is because I really just haven't had enough draw my games, but I often find I'm just like gonna jam like 32, 33. I'll put an extra couple of cards in and a draw my mirror because mm -hmm. every single draw my mirror I've played has just gone down to the wire. Yeah, like each player only has two or three cards. We both have an arsenal sand cover that just, <laughs> it's just like the way it works out is because like you know we're. The priority is to destroy dragons because neither player has a weapon. So the moment we get to an end state where you cannot kill yeah. the other person's dragons, you're dead. They have one dragon. It's just a it's a Kadachi that just attacks you forever. And then you just die. Uh, what's that phrase? Like you're dead. You're just dead because inevitability or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having said all this, it uh, it's a good time, I think, to talk uh, from the other heroes perspectives. Um, because Droma is kind of kind of trying to like drag this game out. Um, if you're playing like other heroes against Droma, you really don't want to put cards in your deck that kind of take your foot off the gas pedal. So no. cards like Sigil of Protection, Oasis Respite, Healing Bomb, these are cards that are in like in the other matchups are like really reasonable cards to play. Mm -hmm. I, I think you really don't do not want to play these cards against Droma. As a Droma yes. player, it's like really benefit. Like if your opponent is like, oh, I just gained three life, you're like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so much better than attacking for three and try to uh, make the game shorter. Yeah, this is actually it's great. It's not even in our notes. So this is really nice that you brought this up because I was thinking the same thing when we were talking about Icelander mm -hmm. um, and maybe this is just like bonus Icelander content. But I feel like as Icelander, I actually want to shorten the game. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just <laughs> yeah, I don't I, want the game to drag on. Yeah, it's be um, it's because like uh, I think, yeah, the the best like Thing that you have access to with Icelander is that you just get that like extra turn and so the yeah. extra turn means less the more turns there are yeah yeah so if you're playing against Romai take out the cards that are like more defensive cards what I often do is if I have rebellious rushes as a fi I actually will board them in against Romai mm -hmm. um and I'll take out like like if I have a red healing bomb that it's 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 it's, it's actually not taking it out like the way I actually build these draft decks all my draft decks typically i only have 27 28 quote unquote main board and i have two to three floating cards that i go in and out for every single matchup yeah like against the mirror i'm gonna try to keep as many block threes like i'll play like it's actually you know yesterday was a great example of this yesterday's draft i was drafting phi uh, i was the second phi in a 10 person pod so i actually had enough cards to do this yep. um, but i had two lalavane loyalty yellows that i only played in the mirror Yep. And I sided them out against uh, Icelander for two Healing Bomb Reds, which mm -hmm. is really juice. And then against 
uh, Dromai, one of those became a yellow rebellious rush, and and the other one was a red rebellious rush, I think. Yeah. But like conceptually, that's what I'm trying to get. At. It's just like um, you want always go 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 again. You never want to brick. I think if you brick against Dromai, you, you potentially just lose. Yeah, illusionist. I think that's kind of like the niche that LSS is making for the illusionist class. Where I think on on face value, they have like some things that um, they're like a little bit higher. Uh, Undercosted, but then have like a lot of weaknesses to getting blown out by six power attacks. But if you stumble against illusionists, you're just like falling behind so much. The last thing for gameplay, I guess, like uh, we can do like kind of like a summary as to uh, what your draw my deck should kind of look like. Yeah, and I think uh, at minimum you should have about four to five red starters. So these are just like I call a red trade in. That's a red star. You sure. can make that a red starter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just so that you can actually take advantage of what we think Dromai's main advantage is, which is being able to attack with dragons twice. Like the first attack on a dragon is not her main value. It's being able to threaten like infinite dragon attacks. Yep. The second, the third, the fourth. And the only way to really take advantage of that is by having a red starter. Now, I'm just going to put a disclaimer. I have seen some successful Dromai decks that kind of do a more blockout strategy. They have some dust-ups. They block, 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 only attack one dragon, and that's like their entire action. They blocked with like four cards, or they blocked with three, the arsenal card. Yeah. That's possible too. And that's often the result of not having any red starters. Yeah. But I think if you're the opponent and you identify that your opponent's that your that your draw my opponent's trying to do that. Yeah, the you really dragons. you really want to attack the dragons. In general, you should be attacking the dragons until like you can calculate the damage and you're just like they're just dead or they're at one. Yeah. And yeah. you're five. So that's a composition, like kind of like a minimum, like a checkbox. I think the second checkbox is you want a really good, healthy amount of reds. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting with Dromai. You want a good, healthy amount of reds, but also like potentially a good amount of blues that you can side in against Islander to really make that like your game to like lose. Because if you have like, if you can present like 12 blues against Islander and you have like one or two rakes, like you can really craft game states where you just fatigue. Yeah, if you have like yeah if you, if you especially like even like stuff like yellow rake um yep. it's like a yep. battle of like singes versus rakes yep 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 uh and so if you end up having arcane barrier like three and you have like michael said around 12 blues it's really hard for Icelander to do any damage to you and so i think that your deck could operate against Fi and Dromai on as little as like six blues. It really depends on the composition of your cards. I think the more like Ember Moss and Pies that you have, like things that you really want to spend like two resources on, like Necrias, etc. Yeah, uh, dragons that cost two or three. Yeah, it's, it's quite reasonable to run up to like I think eight or nine blues. It, but it really depends if your deck is more focused on Ash and like playing like Rakes and stuff, then maybe you only need like six. And we talked about this, but I think we'll mention it again. The S and A tier cards that we talked about. Oh. Uh, like a good critical mass. I think... Uh, would you say <laughs> 10 is probably like a good like number? See, uh, I want... I want... I don't know. I want like half my deck to be these cards. No, I, I think I think um, it, it really depends on like how you like you fill your deck out. I think a good deck, um, maybe you play like, yeah, like 10 of the S and A tier cards and then you fill out with like some of like the Phoenix Flame tier cards. Maybe you play like a couple of like yellows or whatever that the block the block well. I think actually uh, this is like a, my little pet card. I think yellow dust up is actually really, really nice, just because it pitches for two, which is kind of relevant. Sometimes like you just on your turn you just want to like play an ember moss and a pie. 
but then also in the mirror, uh, being able to like dust up uh, one of their dragons is actually really powerful. And then against Icelander, I think yellows are just better than reds. I think like 10. I, I wrote uh, in the show notes 12. You wrote <laughs> 5 to 7. <laughs> I just SMA feel like cards. I think you're just in. I think you're just in. You're just not in like a like draw my seats. I think if you're in a good draw my seat, if you're at a table where you're like this, the first or the second draw my, uh, there's only one. There's only two. Then you it, it shouldn't be too hard, especially if you prioritize the S and A tier cards that we mentioned, the centipies, the 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 rake, the the powerful invocations and also the red like one for three go again attacks i don't think it's that unreasonable since each box that you open should have between like one or two of every uh yeah. common yeah. sometimes up to like three i think this is literally because like in sealed that's roughly how many how many i get yeah. and i'm like not losing games like i still can win yeah. but like and i think this is like a general known draft i'm not sure and i, I would love to hear like viewers i mean listeners like if you have similar experiences, but I feel like Dromai is so overdrafted, like <laughs> kind of at the armory, like, you know, like your friendly, like tier, tier one events. Like yeah. I just, I can't, like I, I'll see a Dromai card missing, like a common missing in like pack one, pick two. And then, then like pack one, pick five, there's like no Dromai cards left. I'm like, well, how I, uh, and unless... I find myself in the, the little Phi engagement again like i don't want i want to draft from my i took a red ember moss and a pie <laughs> like <laughs> unless you're in the just... uh what's it called unless you're in the oh the five icelander the five table, icelander table. Yeah. you know we we said these numbers like 1.5 2.5 3.5 i really think that like there's nine of quality cards support more than like two draw my drafters but there's always two sometimes three yeah like, I, like guaranteed i've moved up i i think it is possible especially when you value the draconic cards a little bit more sure it, it is possible to support three like decent ish dromai decks but those dromai yeah. decks like need to i think get like a little bit lucky to like like if if you have if, if you end up having sitting at a table let's say where the most powerful uh deck is like a solo icelander and you are one of three dromais and all the five decks are kind of diluted i think that you still have an okay shot of winning yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense because you have a good matchup against the the solo icelander yeah potentially Mm -hmm. yeah great i think that's all we got like i said the podcast is now available on apple and uh spotify so if you're listening to this via podbean or youtube uh i'll include links in the youtube description but i also like post it on like social media on podbean there should just be links to uh apple and and spotify i hope you guys are able to draft dromai carefully for your rtns (laughs) um (laughs) Next week, uh, I agree with you, Yandi. Let's talk about Fi. Um, I think yeah. there's some stuff that's worth talking about. The gameplay's a little bit simpler, but there's a lot of nuance and niche th- stuff that I think it will be a value add for you guys. We're going to actually be traveling to Europe, so maybe it'll be a shorter one. Or maybe not. No, we'll maybe it'll, be, it maybe it'll yeah. be lengthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Catch you guys on the next one.